how do you simplify healthier thoughts? That's what I wanted to ask Johnny Crowder, founder of Cope Notes, on today's episode. Welcome to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Gipp, and this is episode 190 with Johnny Crowder. Johnny has a fascinating story. In addition to being a founder, he's a TEDx speaker, a billboard charting heavy metal musician, avid sneaker collector, and the most important prerequisite to coming on the show, an amazing human being. His company, Cope Notes, is doing mental health a little bit differently. See, they are a text-based service that sends you one text a day to help you combat anxiety, depression, shame, hopelessness, and whatever else you might be currently coping with. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to extend an invite for you to check out the Forever Athlete Social Club. That's right, we just launched a membership community for all of you to grow further together. The Social Club features three monthly live coaching calls with me, a monthly coffee conversation meetup to meet your peers, peer-to-peer learning space to learn from one another, and the ability to connect with others just like you in your immediate area. This officially launched to the public September 1st, but I want to extend a special offer to you as a listener of the show. Your first week is free. It's on us. Head on over to foreverathletesocialclub.com. Go check it out and join us as we continue to find flow together. Now, let's jam out with Johnny. Johnny, man, welcome. It's so awesome to connect with you. I was just telling you offline, like, just had a chance to learn a little bit more about your story, dive into some TED Talks that you've given and loved your post. I just found out you are in a band as well, going on a little mini tour. So let's start there. Like, how are you feeling getting back on tour after pre-pandemic? It sounds like it was a bigger thing. Now, opening that chapter again. Yeah, it's it's very bittersweet. Like, so my first show back was in July of 2021. And I had gone, it was, it was the longest period I had ever gone without playing a concert since I started. And I was so, I was genuinely anxious before like showing up to the venue. I was like, Oh, what's it going to be like? And I haven't seen these people in a long time. And, you know, I actually had the thought like, am I any good anymore? Like, what if I am so rusty that I blow it? But really there was something about walking back into the venue that I almost went into muscle memory mode and I loaded the merch and we went to do sound check. And it was like, there was this relief to be back in something so familiar to me. And and we played, um, you know, all in, we played like seven shows last year. And normally we would play like 200 shows a year. So last year we played maybe seven and I had a blast at every single one of them. So I think as we are about to leave for this one it's less there is still some anxiety because i'm not touring full time Mm. um but there's that little glimmer of excitement like oh yeah i remember that and i miss it i was about to say i mean do you think you'd be able to run what you're doing with cope notes and everything there and have full-time tour is that possible do they exist so great question um before when I was touring full-time Cope Notes didn't really have employees. I had one employee, so I could just like slack him whenever I needed to work on something or, you know, it was fairly doable. Now we have more, but we also have a director of operations. So she's more of the point person for employees. So I think this tour is going to be kind of a good um, way for us to see how it goes. But I will say this, I have traveled for speaking stuff and been unavailable during the day and our director of operations handles everything that needs to be handled and also 
when I tour, the show doesn't start. Doors don't open till 6 p.m. normally, 7 p.m. And Cope Notes, we kind of sign off for work around 6 p.m. So I can work all day in the van on my computer. So sometimes I'll go on tour and, and people we serve, like clients, don't even know I'm gone because I, I get to work all day still. Isn't that like the dream that you can build something that when you building something bigger than yourself and then fully having that realization, I think that it can exist because it's bigger than you. It's probably tough when you first started doing that, leaving it for the first time. Right. But let's rewind a little bit. And I want to kind of hear the backstory of when did, is there a point in time when this ideation of coat notes and for context for those listening in that aren't familiar it's quote unquote, just text messaging. I love your, yeah. your video where you're like, it's just a text message is basically saying your brain's just pink matter. Or like, yeah, it's so much more than that. When did this ideation first like come to you? And then when was that point where you're like, let's make this something that is accessible to people all over the world. So the original idea came from, not a lot of people know this, I ran a beta version of Cope Notes called Not a Therapist mm. for about a year. And before that, I ran a beta version of Not a Therapist called Better People. So I've been working on this idea actually for a long time, like years and years. Probably I started working on it real hard, like a year and a half or two years before Cope Notes came to market. So mm. I was trying all these different ways. And in fact, um, the text messaging feature, like what Cope Notes does, daily mental health support via text message. That was going to be a feature, an optional add-on for not a therapist. And I think what really started, um, one catalyst that I don't think I've ever talked about in an interview before, but this is just the way you asked the question made me think of this. There was, so not a therapist was, um, like peer support online, digital peer support, but you could name your communication method. Mm. You could name your appointment length. Uh, you could name your price, which everybody named $0, which is why it never worked because <laughs> I couldn't hire anybody. Um, but people would pick these, like, you know, let's say they pick a 75 minute peer support session. So they, and I was doing peer support. I was one of the people doing peer support. So they would hit me up they book an appointment. We'd spend 75 minutes talking to each other. And then the next session, I would ask before we started, I'd say, what was the most helpful thing from the last session? So we could kind of learn. And I started getting a sense of this trend where people said, well, the most helpful part was when I said a lot of stuff. And then you, as in Johnny, only said that little thing at the end that made me think all week. Mm. So I was like, wow. People don't want to, people don't want to like have to read a novel every week. They want to, they want to be able to say everything that's going on. So to be basically, to be able to journal unlimited amounts of text messages, and then to only hear one little thing that makes them think about what they want to journal next. And I'm like, dude, there has to be a way to do this that doesn't require appointments. So it was kind of getting a sense of like what people liked and didn't like, what helped them and didn't help them that encouraged me to build a feature, which eventually became its own company. I love that, man. It's so profound. One of the things that comes up with a lot of the people that I work with, we, we need to coin it. it. We call it vernaling, voice journaling. So they'll send me a <laughs> voice like note of like, 
And oftentimes it'll be, I mean, depending on what's going on in their life, sometimes it'll be like a 10, 12 minute voice note. almost like a mini podcast episode that they send me. And then I send them back like a one or two sentence answer. Not that I'm not listening to everything that they're saying. I am, but just simplifying it to just this one or two points. And oftentimes what you find, at least what I found in that experience is they will talk through their own problem in that time period as well. If you get people going long enough, they, they're good, but no one really takes that pause. So kind of what I'm hearing is Cope Notes is almost this opportunity for people to have a pattern interrupt, pause, and then start that reflection that offers a, a positive solution. Is that kind of correct? I see you nodding your head here. Definitely. Like, I think, you know, you know how it's really hard to tickle yourself. Yeah. Like you could try and it just doesn't work. But then when someone else tickles you, you're like, stop, stop. I can't. Even if it doesn't actually tickle you just psychologically, you're like, no. Um, I think I feel the same way about pattern interrupts. Like, do you know how hard it is for me to stop my own like negative thought spiral or anxiety spiral, like it takes some real strength and energy and awareness. Like I don't always have that, but there are times when I get a cope notes text and I'm like, Whoa, it like knocks me off course. It's kind of like a, um, if you think of a negative thought train as like a literal train yeah, and a cope notes text is kind of like a, a pebble on the track or whatever, and it can kind of slow down or even derail that train. It's an opportunity, like you said, for, for your brain to kind of think like, okay, now that the, the inertia, the momentum of that negative thought train has been robbed of it. Like now that that's not going so fast, maybe now I can step in and do something to, to push it in a different direction. I love that. Was this created off of and getting to know a little bit more about your backstory and how you got here? Was this something that like very much was you wish you had this earlier in your life? Yes. So the, the, one of the many, yeah, one of the things that bothered me the most about being in treatment. Um, and I, I always say like, I'm very open about this. I am still in therapy to this day. I hope I never stop doing therapy. I hope I hope everybody does therapy forever, regardless of whether or not they're diagnosed with anything. But when I started treatment, um, and even before I started treatment, I would have people say, and, and we hear this all the time, it's something like, um, you know, if you're struggling, reach out. And to me, that's always sounded like, if you break your ankle, ride your bike to the emergency room. And it's like, dude, you, did you not hear me? I can't ride my bike because my ankle is broken. So like, I never liked the idea of expecting someone who's too depressed to brush their teeth or get out of bed, which, mm -hmm. which was me for many years for you to say, well, why don't you call up a local support group? It's like, I can't talk to my dog how am I going to call it? You know, it was like, I wanted something to come to me. And I think that's exactly what Cope Notes is doing. Yeah. I mean, not to mention the overwhelm too. And the, it's not the easiest thing to find someone that matches your insurance and accepts mm -hmm. your insurance and then the appointment availability. And that's a whole can of worms in of itself there. Oh yeah. But if you're in that position where, yeah, you're not getting out of bed, talking to your dog is a struggle. 
no way you're going through all these hurdles to actually. Oh yeah, and then you got to fill out a you got to fill out like this waiver that talks about what you've struggled with in the past, and you're like, now I have to regurgitate my life's challenges, some of which I'm not aware of, which is why I'm here, and I have to hand it to a stranger. Mm. So now you know my name, you know what I look like, you know what my voice sounds like, and now you know my you know you know that I was abused as a child. You expect me to go through all that stuff? Like, no, I need you to come help me in bed without me, without you knowing who I am. Just such a high ask. And when you say it that way, it almost sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in some regards. Totally. Right? Outside of the context of Cope Notes, it sounds really demanding and expensive and kind of unrealistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, is from my understanding, what I and what I really wanted to reach out to you about was how what you're doing and what you've created really has reduced that barrier to entry to a point where I think I'm a big proponent of proactive mental health. And what I see a lot of what you're doing is this opportunity to be both proactive and then also a little bit reflective. I'm sure of what the prompts that are coming through and the background that you have. Um, is that kind of the, the thought process is like, let's be a little bit more proactive. So we don't get Johnny at that point, but we get Johnny on just, you know, maybe in the middle of some sort of negative feedback loop. And he's just feeling a little bit out of it today versus full-blown depressive mode. Totally. Like, so we, for some reason, we make mental health different from all the other types of health. Um, even though it's inside of that bucket. So one thing that I think makes it really clear to people in illustration is I say, um, who is a toothbrush for? Is it for people with cavities? Or is it for everybody with teeth? And we all understand, like, you know, you brush your teeth this morning, you'll brush your teeth tonight. And you don't think when you're brushing teeth, oh, I'm such a disgusting monster that I have to brush plaque off my teeth. It's so nasty. You're just like, bro, I'm taking good care of my teeth. I don't want a cavity. If we approached our mental health that way and we said, oh, yeah, bro, I'm going to therapy. I'm not trying to deal with some type of crisis later. Like, oh, you know what? My parents just got divorced. I'm going to journal about that. Like I need to get to the bottom of that and take care of it so it doesn't get worse. If we just approached our mental health the same way that we approached, it's literally preventative dental health is brushing your teeth. That's being proactive to protect against cavities. If we did that with our mental health, Lord knows what this world would look like. Where does flossing come into play there? Is that like the... The actual flossing talk. is it's <laughs> crazy bro when i was growing up you couldn't pay me to floss i was like there's no way i'm not doing it and then as i got older i almost it actually came from tour so when we would tour we'd be out for six weeks eight weeks at a time and the only thing that would make me feel clean it like let's say we're we have a drive night so we have a 12-hour drive to the next venue we got to leave right after we pack up we don't have time to shower. We're not staying anywhere. We're sleeping in the van. The thing that makes me feel clean is flossing, awesome. brushing my teeth and flossing. I'm like, well, at least my mouth is clean, even if my body is dirty. So I would say maybe in that analogy of brushing your teeth. So, so that's what I've said is like, if Cope Notes is brushing your teeth and flossing, mm. um, like that daily preventative care, then uh, therapy 
is probably like going to get a cleaning at a dentist's office. And the fact is not everybody has the money for that. Not everybody is comfortable in a dentist's office. So it's important to make sure they have like simple DIY tools that are really affordable that they can use on their own terms. Yeah. I like, I love this analogy. I mean, I come from more of the fitness space and have recently shifted in the past two years more into the mental side of things. But I like to say from years and years in the fitness space, it was like the mobility and the stretching, like that was the flossing of taking care of your body. Mm. Like no one wants to do it. Uh. No one enjoys it but it has such a profound I needed to hear that impact on your your joints and the tissues and like it helps release a lot of stuff as well so it goes hand in hand uh, I love we're on the same wavelength there you just totally called me out bro I I'm not I'm not joking wait is the video published no it's not okay well listeners won't be able to see but I'm gonna hold up a, a notebook that I wrote I was in this founder wellness a workshop last week and it uh, we all had to set a goal for the four categories of wellness that we were covering in that session so it was eat sleep move and drink mm. so those are the four things we had to set a goal for and uh on move i put stretch three times per day for at least one minute one minute of stretching three times per day and i haven't done it so you totally just called me. There out. we go. <laughs> that was the message you were meant to hear, man. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's those simple things. I put up something the other day where I was like the most successful thing in my business the past two years, or the thing that's helped me the most is actually the simple stuff. It's the stuff that isn't sexy. It's the stuff that you don't see me creating content around or even really talking about because it doesn't get a million views and it doesn't get a whole bunch of people amped up and be like, Oh my God. Yeah, I can do that. Or like, I'm going to start doing that today. But it really is those little things, whether it be a minute, whether it be the flossing routine that you just mentioned drinking, like those are the things that compound the most. And what I've learned is it's all about just like, if we can just get 1% efficient, more efficient in each little area, mm -hmm. you know, we do that every hour that we're working all of a sudden now you and I have way more time that we're, we've freed up to either do other things or pour back into the things that we've created. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The, the incremental progress thing is something that definitely clashes with like social media's uh, version of progress, which is like, you get to see someone's weight loss journey in 15 seconds on TikTok. And you're like, wow, what the heck is taking me so long? And it's like, bro, that person did that through eating a bunch of boring stuff and doing a bunch of workouts that probably weren't a lot of fun to watch. Like, yeah. and you just saw the fast forwarded version. I always say like, if we've kind of like, uh, almost, we've almost sexualized progress we've made it like so sexy like oh yeah and then when progress doesn't feel sexy like sometimes progress looks like you're at the grocery store and you pick up and i've freaking done this which is why i'm using it you pick up like ice cream and you put it in the cart and then you're like man i guess i don't i don't need ice cream like i already have I have fruit at home and it has sugar and I'll just have fruit instead. And then you put it back. No one's going to make a blockbuster movie about that decision. I think but we that should. Might, I think we, but, yeah. <laughs> content idea. Totally. I love that. 
Uh, but that, like you said, like those little micro decisions are actually, in my opinion, the most commendable because mm. no one's cheering you on. You're not making it a whole story on Instagram or whatever. It's like those little moments that kind of show you that you do have willpower and you can make these small decisions to take better care of yourself. Like that, in my opinion, is the sexiest yeah. version of growth there is, but it's not going to play well to the audience. The thing is, it doesn't need to, and it never did. I was about to say, that's that's the key right there, is that it, it doesn't need to. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've wanted to create a video for a while. I just haven't taken the time to do, but very much like if it was like the pre-training montage vlog style of like, you're getting amped up, you're stretching, like taking pre-workout, doing whatever but then you sit down at your desk and you like open up your journal and you like start mm -hmm. to do it. Or you just like sit down in your corner and you go to meditate. I was like, what if we like hyped up these behaviors to your point of putting it in the same category of health as physical health, the mental health component, would we view it a little bit differently? Would totally. we get a little bit more excited to sit down and meditate for a minute? or five minutes, like whatever that looks like for that person based off their baseline. It doesn't have to be a 45 minute meditation going on. Dude, one, actually one of the challenges for me has been like changing the way that I value myself. So mm. in, in music, I used to have a manager, my band used to have a manager that kept drilling it into me that I needed to have a six pack. He was like, if you want to be on magazine covers and you want to get you know, all this positive press, like you got to be this sexy front man, like you got to get ripped. And I have been training for years. I, my body stores fat in my midsection. Uh, my family's just, it just is freaking not happening. I got down to like under 7% body fat at one point in my life. And I still didn't have a defined, like I still didn't have that six pack cut look. I was super yeah. vascular everywhere else, but I couldn't get it in my stomach. And, um, I was so, I, I would literally dis, I was like disgusted with myself. I was disappointed with myself. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You diet, you train like crazy. And here you are looking like a slot. I was so mean to myself. And then now I think like, you know, who we should be putting on magazine covers is like people who use the feelings wheel to identify their emotions and then process them accordingly. Like screw a six pack. There are more people with six packs than there are people who take good care of their mental and emotional health. Like that's, that is a new thing that I'm having to learn to value in my life is like, I can't just use the things that look the best to outside people, but the things that actually make me feel the best inside. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we measure progress so interestingly, you know, I had, uh, I had a video that went viral last month around, I made a decision at 25 to stop drinking. It was just kind of causing a lot of issues and, and pain reoccurring in my life. And I decided, mm. you know, I'm just going to step away from this thing and see what happens and put a, of course, you know, trying to really conceptualize that process into a 15 second TikTok is you're going to be missing some key pieces of the story and all that but yeah someone it was very interesting to notice how it really affected me someone commented like I'm surprised by your lack of progress in the like two years that you and I was like whoa bro <laughs> like 
what do you mean lack of progress he's like i just thought you would be like more jacked or like more ripped oh. and to your point it's like <laughs> wait a second like where we have such a weird distorted view of what progress and what we should be striving wow. for if that's the the general comments that are coming wow. in on these types of things but it is interesting i think um you bring up a, a really key point that I don't think is often talked about, especially on, on the male athlete side of things. I, I was a swimmer my whole life. It was interesting from a body image standpoint, you mm. know, like my uniform was a speedo. So in yeah. kind of walking on stage to perform, it very much was like, okay, well, how do I look right now? Do yeah. I look like I'm going to be a fast swimmer? Or my time's going to like speak for me. And it's a weird catch 22 of sorts where you're trying to like, I want to make sure I look really good, but also I want to perform really well. How did, how did you start to kind of your journey of undoing that? Because it sounds like you also had some help in conditioning you to be like six pack, six pack. You got to be on the magazine. What was that deconditioning process like for you? It's, and are you in a place now where you're like, I'm happy for how I look and like how I feel every day? I mean, I, this is something that I work on regularly. Like a lot of people ask me questions about um, depression, anxiety, self-harm, bipolar, schizophrenia, OCD, like, cause that's the more Google, Googleable stuff about yeah. me. But when it comes to like the, the eating disorder stuff, I don't get a lot of time or opportunities to talk about it. And the body image stuff is something that I still very regularly, it's something that I work through now and a few things that have really helped me a ton. Um, The first is, I mean, people who are just listening and can't see the video, um, I have a bunch of shoes behind me on a, so I collect sneakers and I have like these uh, racks behind me, these displays of the sneakers and sneakers have helped me with my body image and eating disorder challenges, because my therapist years ago would say that it would help to redirect my focus from an aspect of my appearance that I cannot control immediately, like the way that my stomach looks, or even I've broken my nose three times. So um, for a long time, I would walk in and think like, oh, everybody thinks that I broke my nose from being in a fight. And people probably think, oh, and I'm also covered in tattoos for people who can't see me. So I would like feel like people were judging me or whatever. And so then um, when I started, my therapist recommended something like color coordinating an outfit Mm. is an opportunity to exercise control over your physical appearance. So then I was like, wow, I'll try it. So I started like, you know, if I have like a black shirt and uh, light blue jeans, and I'll try to have shoes that either have black or light blue or both in them. And then I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, dog, like I feel color coordinated. And then I'm focused there. I'm not thinking about my, my nose being crooked, or I'm not thinking about my, uh, actually I broke my left elbow. This was a big challenge for me that I think a lot of athletes listening will be able to relate to. I broke my left elbow and I was in a cast for months and my, the, the entire left side of my body is shaped differently when I take my shirt off. So you can see my left pec has a different shape. My entire, my ribs have a different shape on the left side than my right, my abdomen, my forearm, my bicep, my tricep, 
everything is shaped differently on the left side of my body. And when I focus on color coordinating outfit, I don't think about that. I'm thinking about colors and it really was, it's been tremendously liberating for me, dude. I gotta be honest. It's like, again, such a simple hack, but has such profound effects. I think it is, isn't it amazing just what putting quality really appearance, like putting a little bit of attention and care into whether it be like a fresh beard trim up or, you know, getting a haircut, you always feel like a million bucks after you get a haircut, like, unless they really messed it up. But for the most part, you walk away (laughs) out of there, confidence through the roof, chest is up tall. Uh, I think it's, there's those little, those little forms of self-care are often so overlooked because I mean, our brain just, we kind of get caught up in those, those negative things from time to time. Only there is a service for that. It can also be like something that's helped me is just that, that focus shift. And it doesn't always have to be color coordination. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a beard trim or whatever. It can be like it's basically redirecting that focus that says like, you're not good enough to something, to an area of your life where you're proud of yourself for something that you did. So there have been days where I'm like, I look at my stomach uh, or I like feel my stomach and, and keep in mind, I feel like I look like a pretty average person, but in my, in my mind, my stomach has always been this huge problem. Mm. And I will like look at myself in the mirror and be like, ugh. I feel like I don't look exactly the way that I should or whatever. And then I'll be like, but I straight up chose to have a healthy meal this morning. And that's worth celebrating. Cause it's, I, I can't control exactly what my body looks like in this moment. But when I went into the kitchen, I could control a decision that I made and I made a healthy decision. Like I want to redirect my focus from this to that. And it's, it's really just redirecting focus. Like it, should be more complicated, but it's not. Your brain just needs something else to chew on. Yeah. I mean, looking at your shoe collection behind you, I, I see why you went with the color coordination route. It's you had some beautiful shoes behind you, some <laughs> rare ones too. You know, it's it's easy to when that's what it is for you. I think that's the key is for anyone listening in, trying to find what that thing is for you. It doesn't have to be sneakers. It can be a certain t-shirt that you really like like i mm-hmm. i love the way like i'm wearing roan right now like i love the way that roan t-shirts fit me yeah. um even in my worst days when i'm a little bit bloated and not as shredded as i would like to be it's like the t-shirt still looks pretty good on me i'm gonna i'm gonna rock this <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> dude even so i've been learning about all of the different aspects of wellness and there's like internal aspects of wellness, like kind of our thought patterns and the decisions that we make and stuff like that. And then there are external or environmental ones. And I've learned some really interesting things, like literally the temperature of your home can make a difference. The, the feeling of, like you said, if you're wearing a comfort, comfortable t-shirt, the feeling of the t-shirt on your skin, like if you have a nice soft t-shirt and you put that on, it can act as like a self-soothing mechanism. Like there are all these things that we think like, oh man, I'm going to be in therapy for the rest of my life to deal with this. And it's like, well, maybe, I don't know what you're going through and maybe it wouldn't be bad. But in the meantime, there are little environmental steps that you can take 
to put yourself somewhere where you feel comfortable. And just like you said, something as simple as I have this red pair of underwear and I got it as a gift and I never would buy red underwear. It's like bright red. And sometimes I'll put it on and be like, today is our total red underwear day. And it shifts my focus. I mean, these, this is not rocket science people. I did go to school for psychology and here I am talking about underwear. I, I mean, I think those triggers though, can be so profound. And we mm. find the ones that are positive for us. Like one of the things I've talked on here before about is almost like the superstition triggers that I would have um, leading up to a big swim meet for mm. me. And I remember it didn't matter where in the country I was. It was like Smoothie King became my like pre smoothie before big meets, especially around finals. And you got to give a shout out to my dad who would occasionally drive as far as like an hour outside of wherever the pool was. Wow. Go pick up five or six smoothies for the weekend so that we could bring them back to the hotel and like put them in the freezer in the hotel and then defrost them. And we had a whole mm. science behind it. But now <laughs> even to this day, like years later, I'm like, dang, if I like, if I know I have a big thing, I'm going to, I'm going to try to find my smoothie King smoothie beforehand so just so back we need to i want to break this down real quick for listeners yeah because what you're describing so i've been reading a lot about self-soothing mm. lately and the important thing to remember here is i could totally hear someone listening to what you just said and saying well you know i don't i don't live near smoothie king or i don't like smoothies or when i share about sneakers they're like well i don't i don't like sneakers or, or it's hard to find sneakers yeah. that fit me or whatever the the important thing to hear, if you're listening to this, is that I had the power to choose sneakers as an important thing. You had the power to choose smoothies. It doesn't matter what you choose. You can pick a token. You assign value. So as long as you pick, some, like my red underwear is just underwear, bro. Someone else could go, ooh, I don't like red. I would never wear that. That's my least favorite pair. But if you mentally choose to assign that as a token, you say, I'm going to choose to use that as a self-soothing mechanism. I'm going to choose when I get anxious, I'm going to wear my nice soft shirt that's going to make me feel comfortable. You have the power to make it whatever it is that you own. It could be a song that you turn on. But don't forget that it doesn't have to be sneakers or a smoothie. You don't need a ton of money for it. It doesn't need to be something new that's not in your life yet. You can choose something that you have around your home and tokenize it, make it a part of that self-soothing process. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I mean, at, at one point, I'm sure for you, it was just sneakers. They didn't really have this bigger meaning to it. It was just you enjoyed the way that they looked and how they probably made you feel when you put them on your feet and you just said, mm -hmm. I want to buy these. And that was the same thing with the smoothie. It was like, it was just kind of like happen chance. I think how that even started for me of mm. we just stopped by on the way to university of Maryland one day and we had some time to kill before the session. So we went to smoothie King and grabbed a smoothie real quick. <laughs> and then lo and behold, years later, that's still the memory. So it can start very simply. Um, which I think is super profound. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the topic of your t most recent TED talk um, mm -hmm. that I watched recently. And it, it was this wild story. I'm going to do a disjustice if I tell the story of your experience in an airplane. Walk us through that experience, if you will, of and what 
now looking back at it a few months since giving this TED talk and where your life is now, has anything, has your perspective changed at all? Are you like doubling down on the experience that you walked away like day one? Walk us through that. I know that was a vague question. (laughs) Yeah, I'll, I'll say that I'll start by saying that it is a significantly more personal TED talk than my first one. So my speaking agent brings that up all the time. He's like, wow, you really, (laughs) you know, let people know who you are in this one. I'm like, I thought I did that in the first one, but it's basically a story about how um, I had been suicidal for pretty much my entire life. And I was on a plane that started to free fall. It was going to crash. And I was like, oh, shoot, if I'm suicidal, shouldn't I be excited? Like, shouldn't I be like, nice, here comes my death or whatever. Um, And in fact, I wasn't. So I'm like, what's that about? Did I actually want to kill myself in the first place? Or so it made me do some, I basically had to accept death uh, prematurely because spoiler alert, we did an emergency landing and everybody survived. Um, But it it really challenged the logic behind my suicidal ideation. It made me, you know, before that I thought, well, I want to die. And now I'm like, well, I don't think you wanted to die. I think you just wanted your life to not feel the way that it felt before. And that's very, I think there are people right now who are suicidal, who think that death is the solution to their problems. But if they actually sat and thought through it, they really thought critically about it. They'd be like, oh, I guess death wouldn't solve the stuff I'm going through. And so that's what, that's kind of what I want to encourage people to do with that talk is just like, you know, if you, if there's some part of you that thinks, oh yeah, man, dying would be really nice. Think through it, like challenge, challenge that and be like, okay, let me, understand the logic behind that desire to see if that's really what I want. Cause I'd venture to guess that it's probably not. Mm. That's powerful. And do you have any fears around flying after that experience? It was for the probably two years after that, okay. I had a really hard time flying and then let now I fly a ton, like for speaking stuff. And yeah. I mean, pretty much every time I'd give a keynote, it's out of state. So unless I feel like driving 70 hours to go, you know, speak somewhere. So um, it's kind of now when I experience turbulence on a plane, I'm like, bro, first of all, I've been through worse than this. Like I've free, I've been in a free falling jet before like this is not going to be as bad as that and if it is and i die then i already got all this bonus time because i'm pretty sure that first plane was supposed to go down so now i'm like surprisingly unfazable on a plane i think it's because i did go through that so when other people kind of get nervous when there's turbulence i have this thing in me that's like bro this is nothing you start to help those around you now yeah i'm just like like, well actually like i was let me tell you. No, I, d- I definitely don't that. like story top them in the moment. Like you think this is bad. You should have seen. No. <laughs> sure. That would go over well. Yeah. Um, man, I definitely encourage anyone listening in to, to go get the full, the full picture of that story, because it is a, it's a really well delivered talk. Yes. But there, I think is, 
it is so relatable in the sense of you you did a really good job conveying your emotions and walking the listener through a journey that you know all of us at some point have probably had some anxiety and fear around stepping on a plane and being like oh my gosh like what is going to happen um and you did a great job soothing people through a pretty scary situation and i just want to say like one glad you're on the other side of it you're here to able to to share your story i want to to wrap with what we call the fast five so they're fast one sentence one word answers rapid fire first one being other than your own podcast what's your go-to podcast that you're listening to great question i think it's called yeah it's called gospel in life by mm-hmm. timothy keller uh it's sermons and they are there are some real thinkers any fan of um ethics or um, philosophy will really appreciate that podcast. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Number two is what's your go-to book that you've read in the past year? I cannot shut up about the art of happiness. Mm. It is by, let me check. It is by the Dalai Lama and Howard Cutler. And someone gave me the book 10 years ago. I thought it, the title was BS and I didn't want to read it. I was so negative then I cracked it open probably in January and I have not been able to get it out of my head. I love that. It's, sometimes it's all about the timing of when mm-hmm. that's, you know, it, it could be given to you at a time where you needed it, but you weren't ready to receive it just yet. Yeah. Uh, number three, what is something that you can't live without? My, I have a dog named pepperoni pizza and oh, I man. love her to death. And my brain produces like a year's worth of oxytocin every time I hug her. So I don't, I only get to see her like once a month mm-hmm. and it, it changes my life every time. I love that. Amazing, man. Number four, um, what is a quote that you live by? I actually said it in my second Ted talk. It's my favorite phrase. Tomorrow might be better. Mm. It is, it is shifting focus. It is always, it's technically always true because there is always a chance that tomorrow could be better than today. I like that. Number five, last one. If you could sum up your focus right now into one word, what would that be? My focus? Describing the season of life that you're in into one word observe Mm. it's a beautiful word beautiful johnny man i appreciate you being here sharing your time especially as you're about to go back on tour here and spread your message across the, the country where can those listening in connect with you learn more about cope notes the impact that you guys are having there with your services where can everyone find you so you can learn about Cope Notes and try it for free at copenotes.com. You can learn about me at johnnycrowder.com. I also am on Instagram at johnnycrowderlovesyou because I do. I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, and I don't believe in Twitter, so I don't have that one. Um, but yeah, any probably those first two websites will have the most juice for you. And then if anyone listens to rock or metal. If you look on Spotify or Apple music, 
My band is called Prison, and we have a record called Still Alive that I think you might enjoy. Amazing, man. I'm going to go uh, check it out. I'm going to send it to my brother, too, because he's a, he's a big metalhead guy. It's not necessarily my, my type of mm-hmm. music, but I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, man. I appreciate you coming on, and just good luck as things continue to evolve here for you. Heck yeah. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man.